Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey folks, it's Eddie Trunk, and welcome to another edition of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, which is new every Thursday, and thank you so much for checking it out on all your major podcast providers, Podcast One, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere you get your podcasts. Thank you for subscribing and checking out the Eddie Trunk Podcast. It is greatly appreciated, bringing you great artist interviews with some of your favorite rock artists. All the interviews originate on my Sirius XM radio show called Trunk Nation, airing Monday through Friday live on Volume, Channel 106, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, nightly re-airs 10 to midnight Eastern, and anytime you want on the Sirius XM app. If you are in the U.S. or Canada, please join me and come on board at Sirius XM and listen to me each and every day talking rock with you and all the great artists that we have on Uh, Be sure to do so. You are only getting a tiny, tiny fraction of what I do on a daily basis if you only listen to this podcast. Everybody else around the world, thank you for tuning in. I'm glad I could give you a peek into what I do on a daily basis on the radio in the U.S., and it is greatly appreciated. Social media, at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, fan page on Facebook, eddietrunk.com is the official online home. And I'll tell you what, I'm extremely excited because... Just like rock bands, you know, I've been shut down from the road and touring and live gigs for a really long time, and I'm really excited to announce that I've got some live gigs coming up, which is exciting. Uh, Those gigs include, the appearances are April 30th, Ardmore, Oklahoma, at Two Frogs with Frank Hannon, May 1st and 2nd, the Dallas International Guitar Festival at Dallas Market Hall. With Frank Hannon, George Lynch, and more. I'll be there hosting that Saturday and Sunday. IDL Ballroom in Tulsa, June 19th for Brett Scallions of Fuel. June 26th for Lita Ford. Also June 25th, I'm in Houston at Warehouse Live with Warrant, Lita Ford, and Bullet Boys. Rocklahoma coming up, Labor Day weekend. Also just announced, 
Rolling Hills Casino, Corning, California, July 11th. Skid Row performing Slave to the Grind. Warrant performing Cherry Pie in their entirety. That show just announced I will be hosting that as well. Everything is on the homepage of eddytrunk.com as far as my appearances. And be sure to follow on social media for info and updates as we go. Got a great interview for you this week. It is, uh, well, it turned out to be two guests. I didn't know it going in. (laughs) Uh, Going in, I thought it was just going to be Jeff Pilsen. But it turned out that in the studio with Jeff, when I called him, was Reb Beach of Winger and Whitesnake. Reb also at one point played in Dawkins. So Reb was kind of just sitting in in earshot of the phone and chimes in during the interview you're about to hear. I talked with Jeff Pilson about his new album with The End Machine, which features George Lynch and Robert Mason, which is out now called Phase 2. Talked to him about the Doc and Reunion. I talked to him about Foreigner going forward and what they may or may not do. And then Reb chimes in along the way as well. And Reb breaks the news of Whitesnake Christmas music. Now, in the interview you're about to hear, Reb mentions a Christmas album. As soon as this interview aired live on SiriusXM, David Coverdale took to social media to clarify it's not a Christmas record, but some Christmas songs that he is actually making. So, good to know David was listening. (laughs) Thank you, David. Anyway, uh, so it turned out to be a fun one. I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation. Jeff Pilsen. Reb Beach, predominantly Pilsen, but as you'll hear, I had no idea Reb was there when we called, and he got involved in the conversation as well, and it was great to visit with both of them. So without further ado, let's get to it. You know the social media. You know the website. I just gave you some appearances. I just gave you the background on this interview. Let's get it on the air for you or on the podcast for you, and it'll be coming up right after this on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. Yo, it's Robert Ory. And on the Big Shot Bob Pot, we talk about all the ladies on the NBA. Joined by our man, John Sally. When I'm watching these guys play in the bubble, I'd be a way better player because I wouldn't be trying to impress the girl in the white pants in Real 74. <laughs> the one and only Jeannie Buss. Hey, as long as he wants to play, he's welcome here. So that said, are we drafting Bronny? <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe now and throw us a rating and review. We've got new shows every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere you listen to podcasts. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. All right, let's do it. Jeff Pilsen with a cameo from Red Beach. Enjoy the interview. Always enjoy talking to this guy, an old friend who has a new album out with a side project called The End Machine. I was talking earlier that I actually hosted the first ever show they ever played for the first record. I remember few years ago back in LA at the whiskey. And now they've got a second record that is now out called phase two to talk about that as well as some docking and foreigner and anything else going on in his ever busy world. We have Jeff Pilson joining us right now on trunk nation. Jeff, how are you, bud? <laughs> Very good, Eddie. My ever busy world. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you know, how have you been navigating the last year 
as a guy who's always busy with projects, whether it's producing or on the road with Foreigner or anything else you're doing, I would imagine, because I know you have your own studio, I imagine you spent a lot of time in there over the last year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my navigating requires walking from the coffee machine in the kitchen to uh, to the studio, you know, steps away. And what so have you have been, been what have you been toiling away on in there, Jeff? Be, beyond the end machine that we'll talk about in a second, what have you been working on? Well, actually, right now I happen to be working on the next Black Swan record, and seated to my left at this moment is Mr. Reb Beach. What's up, oh. Eddie? Hey, Reb, how are you, man? I'm good. Yeah, doing good. I saw you about a year ago. I guess it is now. Yeah, some, um, something around that. Reb, didn't you do a solo record recently, too? I, I did. It's instrumental. And today on uh, Hair Nation, it's Red Beach Day. I'm the official uh, guitarist oh, wow. of the day, I guess. Wow. Um, but, yeah, I did an instrumental record. Um, it's just all guitar came out. Wait. Called a View from the Inside. Are you serious? It's Red Beach Day on Hair Nation? That's what I got. Two friends of mine texted me and said they're, they're <laughs> dedicating today to Red Beach Wow. Well, you know what's funny? You know what? You know what we're doing for Reb Beach Day? Reb's going to grill some steaks later. So, yeah, <laughs> we're going to be celebrating Reb Beach Day. Too bad he can't be ready. Reb claims he's the best. I, David David Coverdale loves my steaks. <laughs> or as 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 uh, as as he calls he calls Reb rebellious. Yes, rebel rebel darling. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, well, happy Cover- Red Beach Day, Daddy. Yeah, happy Red Beach Day. Who knew April 13th was Red Beach Day? That is that is awesome. So yeah. happy Red Beach Day. Everybody, when they're done listening to my conversation with Jeff, go listen to Red Beach Day on uh, Channel 39. I, I, don't know that I don't know that it's Red Beach Day. I'm the featured guitar player <laughs> of the day. No, no, no. It's Red Beach Day. Happy Red <laughs> Beach Day. And I get to spend Red Beach Day with Red Beach. How cool is that? Jeff, you are the big winner right there. And you get to have him grill you steak, so that's even a, more ahead of the game. And George Lynch came over the other day. We should invite him over for steaks for, for Red Beach Day. Yeah, he would like it. I'd love to cook George Lynch a steak. That would be really cool because he really influenced me when I was younger. I listened to Under Lock and Key like a thousand times when we were writing the Winger record. <laughs> Wow. Was it ever George Lynch Day, though? No. Uh, yeah, see? See? And wait so, a minute. Wait a minute. I can tie that in even further because, as some do and don't know, uh, Reb, you played in Dokken at one point. For four years. Yeah. <laughs> Two hours. Jeff, were you in the band at that time? I don't remember the timeline. Yes, I was. Yes, I was. He hired me. <laughs> So, yeah, no, Rev and I did the Eraseless Slate record together in 98 or 9, something like that. And then we did the live record, Live from the Sun, that I think was 2000, I want to say something like that. Anyways, yeah, so, yeah, we were in the band together. That's where we cemented our writing chemistry, because we, you know, I mean, I'd known Rev before that, but I'd never really worked with him until Dawkins. So, um, yeah, we, we, we had a great time working together then, and we're having a great time working together now, kicking some ass. Yeah, this new Black Swan is really good. Although I, yeah, it's better than the last one, I think. <laughs> well, I, I look forward to hearing that. And, of course, Reb will do something when that record is ready. You were working. I know I was talking to Kip. You guys were working on some stuff as well, right? Some winger stuff, too. Almost done. We've got about 16 songs right now. Wow. 
And I'm just thinking yeah. of something when you made a comment about Lynch, and then you you being a fan of Lynch, and then you being in Dawkin. Did has did George ever comment about your approach to playing his solos when you were in Dawkin? No, he never has, and I don't want to have that conversation. He was in here, and I had the guitar. And I didn't. I played like three notes, and then yeah, I just stopped. <laughs> yeah, I just stopped. He brought over his three thousand dollar distortion pedal, which sounds amazing, but it's like you know I don't want to mess it up. I I, I, I step on it very gingerly. <laughs> Because I, because I had George on this show, and he's talked to, he's talked on the air about John Levin, and he said to me, he's like, the guy plays my solos better than I play him. So he's always been pretty complimentary about the other people that have been in the band. Well, he he has expressed to me. I I happen to know that he he thinks very very highly of Reb's playing. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, sure. That's well, he's not going to bring a distortion pedal over a three thousand dollars distortion pedal over to somebody he doesn't like if I suck. <laughs> Oh my God! And wait, since it is Reb Beach Day, and I know Jeff, we have business to talk about with you. But last thing with you, Reb, since I didn't expect to have you on, and we have okay. found out it's Reb Beach Day. Uh, is there? You know, I had Coverdale on a few weeks ago because he's working these uh, these reissue records. What? Where are you at with DC these days? And is there talk of is is the White Snake now? White Snake Foreigner is supposed to play again in Europe. Where does that stand? Is that happening? No, no, it's not happening. Yeah, I didn't think so. So everything's yeah, shelved can't. right now. Yeah, David hasn't said anything about any live shows. The only thing uh, he texted me last week and wants me to come over and uh, do the uh, do a Christmas record. Um, he's he he loves Christmas. You know, he's really into you know he's old Saint Nick. So <laughs> <laughs> he wants to do some Christmas stuff, which is great. So a white snake Christmas coming soon. Yeah, yeah. He he wants to he's he's writing it now, so he wants to have it out by Christmas time. And then I'm sure he's gonna want to go out and do some stuff next year. I could just see like slide it in for old Saint Nick or something like that, some twist on something. Like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it, it might be a kind of a risque Christmas album. <laughs> a slow and easy Christmas with White Snake. Oh boy, that, that's good. That's that's good. <laughs> All right, so Jeff, uh, End Machine, the second record, Phase Two, is out now, and I know for this record, you guys took a little bit of a different approach than for the first record, trying to bring it back a little more. Uh, would you say old school? Would that be the right terminology? That sounds good. Yeah, something like that. Um. Yeah, basically, well, you know what it was, is we, we decided we really wanted to concentrate on the songs this time, the songwriting rather than, I mean, the last record, we kind of let ourselves go a little free, and I think we felt, in retrospect, we got a little self-indulgent doing so, which was a lot of fun, and I have no regrets, but um, this one we wanted to make more meat and potatoes, more song-oriented, um, and then, yes, a little bit more old, old school in that. We didn't police ourselves. If something sort of sounded dockany and lynchy and all that kind of stuff, we were like, screw it. Let it let it be there. You know, we're not you know, why not? We this it's coming naturally, why not let it happen? So that's kind of what we did. And we spent a lot of time paying attention to the songs and I'm just really excited about the results. 
Now, Mick Brown was part of the first record, and then as I was talking to the audience earlier when I did that first show, the, the first live show you guys did, we I know that Will Hunt played with you because Mick didn't do those shows, and now we know that Mick is not part of this, and his brother has come in on drums. In honesty, I didn't even know that Mick had a brother that played drums, so talk about that change a little bit. Well, that was that turned out to be a very, very fortunate thing for us. Um, so yeah, Mick, Mick has decided to retire. Um, you know, just he, he, he's done and, and we get it and we understand. Um, so, uh, it, you know, Mick had hoped that we would get his brother involved and, but didn't really come directly to us necessarily. Uh, but we, but George and Robert and I, Robert Mason, of course, singer, who's the singer of Warrant, um, we were having a, a conference call one day and, you know, we we're talking about the drum situation. And I, I think it was George that said, well, what about Steve? And we were like, well, Yeah. So we kind of, you know, we contacted him, saw where, you know, felt out where he was at. Uh, I, I knew he was a player, and I knew he was a good player, but I wasn't all that familiar with what he had done. So, you know, we watched some stuff, and we thought, well, this guy's really good. I mean, I, you know, it sounds, sounds easy. So, so we, we did it, brought him in, and he just did incredible. Not only does he understand where Mick is coming from drum-wise, he feels just like Mick when you're playing with him. I mean, it really does. It feels just like Mick. It's it's kind of crazy. So I guess it's got to be a DNA thing or something. Uh, but, and he also sings great, um, which which kind of blew us away. And has a voice that has a similar timbre, very similar timbre to Mick's. Um, and, and he had done a lot of studio work in the 90s and early 2000s. So he came in and just nailed it. I mean, he's accurate. He's but he adds a lot of energy and enthusiasm. Um, he really knows what he's doing in the studio, and it just made it a breeze, and we were we couldn't have been happier. Yeah, I mean, that was the most surprising thing for me because, I mean, you know me, I pride myself on knowing what's what and who's doing what, and when I first heard that it was uh, it was Steve Brown, and I that's his first – his name is Steve, right? Yes. Yeah, when I first heard it, Steve, I have a friend, Steve Brown, the guitar player from Trickster, I'm like – He's playing drums in that, and then I started thinking about it, and then and then they said, "No, it's Mick Brown's brother." And I'm like, I had no idea that Mick had a brother that played drums. Like, was he in any bands from back in the day that I didn't hear of? Or well, he was in the band in the '90s called well, and and they actually lasted a long time. But it was a band called Oleander. Um, oh yeah, and I I remember that. Yeah, he was in that band for years, and he's done a lot of stuff. He played with Montrose for quite a while up until when Ronnie passed, um, and. He also played um, uh, with Tesla as a sub a lot when Troy was, I guess Troy had moved somewhere or something, I, I'm not sure, or had some health issues or something, I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah, he's played with bands, but not, yeah, not real, real, real high profile. Yeah. Well, the record sounds great. So when did you guys make this record? Because as you mentioned, Robert does warrant, uh, George is in like, 72 bands uh you 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 of course have a, a full plate uh how did you all convene did you do this during was the re this latest record phase two was it done during the pandemic or did you guys do it before no it was all done during the pandemic well it, it actually kind of worked out well because uh george and i did a covers record together several months ago called heavy hitters which was a lot of fun for us and it was also, and we started this heavy hitters record just as the pandemic was beginning. So um, we we did it all remotely, and by doing so, we uh, we kind of learned how to work remotely. Because even though George just lives down the street, we were both very concerned about COVID. 
So um, there's a program that allows me to operate Georgia's studio from here, from my studio. Um, and then w- what we would do is we would Skype to communicate, and then I'd record him. Like, you know, it, it, and it wasn't exactly like being in person at all, uh, but it was very efficient, and we got it done. We were a little worried when it came to the writing. How is it going to work for writing? Um, but we, you know, I think having the years together and the chemistry and knowing each other the way we do by writing over Skype, it, it, we, we did it. And, um, I think that also kind of contributed to keeping it a little more simple and a little more meat and potatoes. Um, you know, it's almost like a good limitation, (laughs) um, but we did it. We got, we got through it. We got the writing and then the lyrics and melody writing, um, we decided that we would, because we were concentrating so hard on the songs, we did a lot of three-way Zoom calls with Robert, George, and I, you know, kind of sketching out the skeletons and getting the choruses right. And then Robert took away a lot of it and wrote a lot of the lyrics, you know, within that skeleton. But, um, but yeah, it was a very, it was an interesting process. Uh, George's parts were all recorded remotely with me, you know, working his studio over the, you know, over the program. Um, but then Robert and Steve both came here to the studio because it was a couple months later, and by then we were kind of feeling a little safer about having people here. So um, so George's parts are all remote, all done during the pandemic. Steve and Robert did their parts uh, during the pandemic, but, you know, from here. So let me ask you about this. One of the things that I know is very important with the first End Machine record, and I, I remember and appreciate you guys had me out to host the very first show you did, which was that show at the Whiskey. I remember you you and I think Robert came in to the Sirius XM studio the day before, so we did a whole thing. And I remember at that yeah. time, it was really important for you you guys to get the message out that this band, the End Machine, we all know so many bands now have side band side projects, but you wanted to reinforce that this was truly going to be a band and that you were actually going to do live shows, which is a big knock on a lot of the, the side bands that come out from fans. And you did those three mm-hmm. shows when that you, you managed to be able to do, I think it was three shows when the first record came out. We're starting right. to see shows starting up again. We're starting to see bands playing, especially weekend stuff, especially at the club level. It's starting to happen. What's the prospect for being able to go out and do doing some shows with the end machine? Well, you know, it's still such early days of getting everybody's feet back into the water with playing live. Um, and, Unfortunately, that also means, you know, Foreigner, when we come back, are going to be coming back with a vengeance. So um, it's just hard to say. There are some holes in the schedule for Foreigner where there theoretically could be shows. um, But it's just so hard to, you know, to actually predict right now because nobody really knows what's going to happen. Nobody knows what's going to, you know, I I feel people are going to be really hungry for music and that attendance is going to be incredible. Um, but nobody really knows, so it's hard to to deal with the business side of it. Um, and then add that to scheduling. Uh, it's just so hard to figure out what's going to happen with live shows for now. But it is a long-term situation. Um, so, And I try and take the big-picture route with M-Machine. And so hopefully as this thing develops, we'll figure out something or some way of playing. Because, yeah, we and, and I'm really excited to play now because – I mean, Will Hunt obviously is amazing, and we love Will Hunt, um, and he's amazing. But 
uh, I'm really excited to play with the band now with Steve because vocally I know we can go out there and, and really capture it, and I'm really excited about that. Yeah, I mean, I've been talking about this with, like, a couple weeks ago I had Adrian Smith from Iron Maiden and Richie Kotzen on, and they made a record together that came out a couple weeks ago. And I was talking to Adrian Smith about this. I said, look, it's probably going to be a little while before we get to see Iron Maiden play live because you guys play the enormous domes of the world. And it's the, the bands that play to the huge, huge crowds. That's probably the last phase that's going to come back. But you speaking to Robert, I mean, I have a date in June with warrant that I'm hosting in Texas. So there's stuff happening at that level, at the club and theater mm-hmm. level for sure. So that yeah, works right. to the advantage of somebody like you who's in foreigner, but also has this band that obviously would play much smaller places to be able to go right. out and maybe get some shows in. And that's what I was telling Adrian, like you may have a window here where you can go out and do some shows because you're obviously going to be playing a lot smaller places than you would with Maiden. So maybe there is that opportunity. There might be, but, you know, Foreigner, we, our schedule starts, you know, our first show is May 19th, and we're kind of off and running. So um, it's, you know, we're not, I'm not in the same situation as Adrian would be um, with, with, you know, Foreigner. We have shows booked, and, you know, there are some big venues coming up and everything, but uh, it just means I'm gone. So there you go. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's too early to know how that's going to work. And what is the plan with Foreigner? What are you guys, uh, where are you guys playing? What's the, what's the, what's the scheduling the like? Shows, the first two shows are at this uh, place called, I think it's called the Front Yard Festival in Orlando, Florida, where they do socially distanced concerts. It's a pretty cool setup. You know, people are like in pods and things like that. And uh, I, they've been doing shows and I guess they've been very successful. So those are the first two shows. Uh, then after that, we have a couple more in Florida. And of course, Florida is a little more opened up than a lot of the country. Um, and then, uh, then in June, we're kind of around the Midwest, you know, it's some casinos, it's some, uh, small amphitheater kind of things. It's, you know, it's kind of the usual thing. Um, we're, we're not doing a big summer shed tour this year. We are next year, but, um, this year we're not. So, um, once we start playing in July though, it's pretty full on. And, um, and again, it's, you know, a lot of, performing arts centers, you know, state fairs and casinos and that kind of thing. Mm. How many years have you been in Foreigner now? 17. That's amazing. I'm man. only 17. <laughs> 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 well, see that I said that cuz it's Red Beach Day. Right, of course, <laughs> as you should, as you should. Um yeah. and and how is how is uh shifting gears to foreigner here for a second? How is how is Mick doing? I mean, uh we, we I'm sure he's been vaccinated by now, so is he feeling good? Is he healthy? Is he is he uh going to be engaged in these shows? Is he going to be able to play them? Yeah. Yeah, he's 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 in good health. He, yes, he's vaccinated. He's in really good spirits. He's dying to play. I'll tell you that. He's 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 antsy right now. So um, yeah, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how many he does, but yes, he'll definitely be back. Do, do you know, Jeff, has he ever spoken to you? And, and as a guy who's been in this band 17 years and uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, you're like the musical director. You kind of, you know, that's your role as well in this thing. Um, has yes, he ever, sorry, t- 
<laughs> has he ever talked to you about when the day comes that he wants to retire, if he'd like this to continue going without him or that he would fold it at that point? I asked him that question about three years ago, four years ago, and he had told me that when he was done, he thinks that that would be a button on the band. But we've all seen uh, the precedent for bands continuing with no original guys and still doing quite well. Has he ever relayed his wishes or his timeline for you with that and how he feels about it now? You know what? He, we've never talked specifics. And honestly, I don't actually think he even thinks in terms of specifics because I know his desire is to remain involved with the band until the end. So, um, the only thing, like I say, I'm aware of for sure is that he'd like to stay involved as long as possible. And, um, he would like it if that was the end of the band when he leaves, it's just, you know, nobody's, nobody's been specific. Right. And have you guys talked about new music at all? Oh yeah. We're working on some new music. Actually, there's been songs bashing around now and, uh, you know, there's no timeline on it. Um, and I don't see us doing necessarily an entire new record, but I can definitely see us adding some new material to whatever we next release. So, um, yeah, there's new music coming. And one other thing I wanted to ask you about on Dawkin. So you, you have done, uh, you know, you've dabbled around the edges and done some stuff. You're clearly cool with all of those guys. You guys did the reunion song and that stuff in Japan a few years back. You know, is we know Mick is retired. We know George jumps up with Don here and there, and they, they did that joint tour not too long ago or some shows. Uh, th- there's been talk and speculation of uh, it would be great if they could, there could be one last dock and run. George has said publicly that he didn't feel the last reunion of the four original uh, members was what it could and should have been. Where are you at on all that? Um, well, I do have a desire to make one last final dock and record. Yes. Um, Cause I, you know, we, we definitely proved we had the chemistry four years ago when we, we um, had the new song. Um, but we'll see. I, you know, I mean, I'm, I kind of, I kind of have learned not to <laughs> speculate too much anymore. Cause you know, one minute I think something will never happen and then it happens. So, uh, I, I'm very open to it happening again. It comes down to scheduling. When are we going to be able to do it? Because to do it right, we'd have to really commit to something. And I don't know when or how that would happen. Um, but you know, maybe we'll start by making some new music and see where it goes from there. I'm, way open to that um we'll just have to see i would think also a big consideration is don and how he's doing health wise because don it was on on with me and has been pretty public about him having some serious health issues and things to overcome that have impacted him in a lot of ways so i would think that would be a big factor too as far as how he is health wise well as far as i know it's mostly physical stuff like i I know he kind of feels at least partially paralyzed in some spots and whatnot. Um, but I, I believe, I know he can sing and I know he can write lyrics. So, <laughs> um, you know, he, I don't think his health issues would be as much of an issue unless, unless he has a hard time traveling, that kind of thing. I, which I imagine he would, but I don't know all the details of that. Um, but uh, I don't think that's as big an issue as just, the whole getting the whole mechanism off the ground. I think that would be the hard part. Right. Right. Um, one other thing on foreigner, I just noticed I pulled up the foreigner website right now. 
And this is wonderful. This is something you guys did for your crew. I think during this whole mm-hmm. pandemic, the fans immediately gravitate and think about all the bands they love and not seeing their favorite artists up on stage, which of course we all miss. And as I've reinforced over the last year or so, the real, the real people that are also taking a hit here are the crew people, the behind the scenes people, the people that rely on touring to, to live day to day. You guys did something really cool here for your crew, didn't you? With the merchandise stuff. We sure did. Yeah. Listen, the crew due to no fault of their own, were out of work for over a year. And, you know, we have people, you know, they have families, they have lives. And, and you know, we just felt immediately like, wow, we got to do something. So we came up with this plan and we're, we're, selling, uh, we're selling all sorts of merchandise that we package in various bundles and whatnot. Uh, and the proceeds go to the crew. And um, I've been really active trying to promote that and even some, selling some of my own personal stuff for that. Um, and it's been very, very cool. We got uh, some companies to uh, to donate stuff. I got Breedlove to donate a guitar, which which sold to somebody. And um, you know, so we've we've been we've enlisted as many people as we can to help out. And and um, we've tried to do the right thing by the crew. And uh, fortunately, a lot of people have been helpful. And there's been a lot of fans that have been just incredible. So um, you know, I, I I it was a responsibility I took very seriously, and I'm glad we did it. Yeah, there's other bands that have done it, and I think it's really cool that you guys did it as well. You can learn more about this on the band's website, foreigneronline.com. If you go there, uh, you will see uh, see where to buy some of this merchandise and how to help out because a lot of these folks, I mean, look, some shows are coming back, but it's not nearly at the level that it once was. So this this support and help, I think, would certainly be uh, still needed, at least for, for a while going forward. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So if you listen, we understand not everybody can help, but if you can, it's such a great cause and we really appreciate it. One last thing and then I'll let you go. I wanted to ask you about this. This has come up on my show the last couple of weeks. Various people who called in have talked about it. And that's the Monsters of Rock tour back in 1988, I guess, that of course Dawkins was on and had the unenviable task of going on after this young up and coming band called Metallica that were on just before you when, and it was talked about in this great book that's come out, nothing but a good time. It came up as well, that what a tough spot that was for a band like Dokken who should have been firing on all cylinders, but you guys were kind of unraveling and here is Metallica on before you that you've got to follow. What are your memories about all of that? And what can you tell us about that period from your vantage point? Well, from my vantage point, it was kind of one endless party. <laughs> I remember a lot of drink and drug. <laughs> That's what I remember with all the, I mean, it was actually a lot of fun with all the bands and everything. It was, it was just a rolling party. It was fucking amazing. Uh, frigging amazing. No, you um, can but, say fucking. <laughs> oh, okay, good, good. Well, okay. It was fucking amazing. Anyways. Uh, but yes, we were unraveling. Um, you know, unfortunately, you know, Don had announced he was going to be leaving the band right before the tour, and it certainly had the effect of putting George in a position where he just, he was, he was, he was, you know, his back to the audience a lot of nights and just doing a lot of stuff. I'm sure in retrospect, he doesn't, you know, feel was the right thing to do, but he couldn't help it. He was, he was pretty devastated. And, you know, George wants to be a team player and the team, you know, had, had theoretically broken up. So he walked out there pretty um, dejected. Uh, and we weren't great. Um, we, it was just, it was, it was, it was just, it was a bad time for Dokken musically. Um, but 
really good time for partying. <laughs> Did you find it challenging and tough to to follow Metallica? There were reports. I don't know if it was Don that said it or somebody said that there was actually a thought somewhere along that tour that the order should be flip flop so Dokken didn't have to come on after a band like Metallica at that time. Was there? Do you recall anything like that? Uh, I don't. Um, but uh, I. I and I, I don't remember thinking that it was horrible that we were following Metallica, other than you, you certainly knew that they were up and coming and they were the future. You could feel that at the time even. Um, but, you know, we still got a good response. I mean, I, and I think if the band had been firing on all cylinders, we could have done a lot better. Um, you know, I, I, so I don't, remember, I don't remember ever talking about flipping the bill. I remember talking that, we we thought they probably should have, but I know we also wouldn't have. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. We wouldn't have given up position. So, um, and so that doesn't sound like a big like like it was a very serious conversation. Um, but I, but again, I following. See, I like it when you follow a great band because I like the challenge. You know, it just motivates me, and I want to go out there and kick even more ass. And we were in stadiums, and I thought. Ah, oh, this is our chance to really, you know, the crowd's fired up. Let's take them further. And we had moments of that, but we weren't t a together enough band at that point to really take advantage of it. And um, so I guess that's why I remember the partying more. Yeah, well, why not remember the good times? <laughs> you know, focus on that. <laughs> Keep that in than worrying about, you know, going on after Metallica or a number of people pointed out that Kingdom Come had it really rough opening that tour and that there was a sort of a which which again, I attended some of those shows, but I don't remember all the details, but they said that Kingdom Come had a tough time because they were there was sort of a backlash to already to them because of the Zeppelin thing when, by the time that tour had started and that they had some rough nights and they had to go on yeah. obviously before Metallica. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's never fun opening a five band bill. <laughs> it's just not, there's very rarely you know, enough people there and all that kind yeah. of thing. So I, I just remember them having a difficulty, uh, having a difficult time because of that more than, uh, I mean, I think the Zeppelin thing, you know, they, they screwed that up because they tried to act like, oh, what, what's, what's, what's Led Zeppelin? I've never heard of that before. You know, it's like, it's nobody <laughs> believed me. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a funny tour. It, like I say, for me, it's very drug and alcohol hazy. <laughs> um, and, and, and yet at the same time, there was, you kind of knew deep down that our band was disintegrating and, um, so it was like, um, it was the peak of both good and bad emotions for me. Mm. Well, listen, man, I appreciate the time. Uh, everybody check out the new album, The End Machine. It is Jeff Pilson, George Lynch, Robert Mason, Steve Brown on drums. The second record, Phase 2, it's out now, available everywhere you get your music. If you love classic hard rock, if you love that you know, docking George Lynch, Jeff Pilson thing with Robert's incredible voice, you do not want to miss out on this record. Again, Phase 2 is out now. And look forward to some Foreigner dates. More information on that, again, at foreigneronline.com. And the world of Jeff Pilsen just keeps rolling right along, man. So I know you're staying busy. Yes, yes. And, and once again, happy Red Beach Day. I'm going to let you get back to enjoying Red Beach Day, which we all should be doing immediately. As a matter of fact, everyone should have had the day off today for Red Beach Day. Uh, but I, I, think, I hope... I think. 
Yeah, I hope well, you enjoy it I there. We're hard at work writing music. <laughs> Black Swan, baby. Black Swan, too. <laughs> yeah. Reb, you know what we've heard? Then a great way to celebrate Reb Beach Day is to listen to the first Black Swan album and then put on the M machine. So there you go. There you go. There Reb, when is, I, I don't know if Reb can hear me, but when is this Black Swan record? I know you're working on it now. What's the target date to put it out? Probably be early next year. Yeah, maybe. probably early next year, I would guess. All right. All right. So we'll wait on the promotion on that until you're ready. But you know the door's <laughs> open when you're ready. So We will. Thanks, Eddie. Uh, Eddie, all thank right, you guys, so much. Be well. To you, man. Stay safe. Hope yeah, to see you soon too. out there on the road. And thanks for the time. Take care. Well, thanks to Jeff Pilsen. Great to visit with him. And also thanks to Reb Beach for chiming in along the way. That's always very fun when you have an unexpected guest there. And he was uh, great to visit with and have as part of the interview as well, Reb Beach, as you just heard. Thank you for checking out the Eddie Trunk Podcast. It's new every Thursday. Thanks to Katie Irizarry for producing. Be sure to follow me on social media. And I'll see you next Thursday for another all-new episode. Have a good week. Hey, movie lovers, who needs a theater when you have Pluto TV? Grab your popcorn and your streaming device because free movies are here. Pluto TV is your home for movies. Great movies are playing anytime in over 20 exclusive movie channels of action, horror, rom-coms, and more. Watch hits like Saving Private Ryan, Pretty in Pink, and Charlie's Angels all for free. No signups, no fees, no contracts. Ever. Download the free Pluto TV app on any device. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music field trip to America's jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com.